Now invite us all to take our seats and to continue those conversations during morning tea. Well, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. Uh, it's good to be back here serving at Cornerstone as one of the pastors along with Campbell. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Risk, and today I have the pleasure with sharing with you God's Word on the parable of the tenants. Uh, today we'll be looking at Luke chapter 20, verse 9 to 19. Uh, could I ask you now to have that open as we look at that together? Luke chapter 20, verse 9 to 19, and I'll be reading for us now. Uh, if you don't have a Bible in front of you and have a corner post, uh, it should be on the corner post there also. Luke chapter 20, verse 9 to 19, and this is God's word. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone whom falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to study your word together, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes that are open, and hearts that are ready to receive your word. Father, I pray be with me as I preach from your word. Anoint me for this task. And I pray, Father, through the preaching of your word, you would use what I have prepared for the building up of your kingdom. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, it's another new year. It's the year 2020. And as we farewell 2019 and look forward to 2020, many of us here have perhaps stopped and reflected on the year we just had. As I stop and think about my 2019, my mind immediately goes back to things I could have done better. What I could have done differently during Bible college last year. What I could have done differently at my church. Thinking to myself amidst the goings-on of college and church, asking myself the question, was I still a loving husband to Lauren? Was I still a good dad to Abigail and Elijah? And as I think back, I know I could have done better. 
I know I could have been better. Do you do this also? Do you stop and reflect on the year you just had? At the end of the year and at the start of a new one, we ask ourselves, what happened? What went well? What could have we have done better? Uh, let me ask us now, as a church, how are we going? How are we going? How was our 2019? Were we seeking after God? Were we following his commands? Were we carrying out his plans? Or have we blocked our ears, closed our eyes, and hardened our hearts to God? Uh, whose plans have we been carrying out? God's or ours? Friends, I invite you now to reflect with me. Reflect with me about how we have gone as a church. Cornerstone, how was our 2019? No need to tell me. But I invite you to reflect on your ministries. From the small ministry of turning up the church, to bringing our children to sit under the word of God, to encouraging one another to love and to good deeds, to volunteering your time at creche, to, to leading on Corner Pebble, to running a Bible study, serving at youth group, to looking after the welfare and needs of the church, to be teaching, protecting, and guarding the word of God from the dangers around us, from the world, the flesh, and the devil. How was our 2019? Let that simmer in the back of your head as we now look at today's passage. Today's passage, Luke chapter 20, verses 9 to 19. And today we're looking at a parable, the parable of the tenants. A parable is a story which has two levels of meaning which means that behind the story of the parable of the tenants is another story we need to know about. Our children, children of Cornerstone, I'm sure you know what this is like. How many of us have we been given books, perhaps even this last Christmas, hoping that the story that we've been given, we will learn something from it? Uh, for example, your parents buy you a book about two siblings, an older brother and a younger brother. And the story starts with the older brother being mean to his younger brother. But throughout the story, the older brother learns to be nice, loving, and caring to the younger brother. It's a, throughout the story, he learns to do this. And at the end, he is doing it. It's a lesson for the boy in the story. But it's also a lesson that the parents who have bought this book hope that their child can learn from also. There is a story behind the story. So this parable, this story that we have before us is more than just about a vineyard. It's more than about tenants, servings, beatings, and murder. It's also a story from us to learn from. And the main question I have for us today is, are we growing the church on the foundation of Christ? Let me say that again. Are we growing the church 
on the foundation of Christ. In this story, Jesus teaches us a story about a nation that had not done this. We learn how the nation of Israel had rejected Christ, and we are given an opportunity to learn from their mistake. Cornerstone, I don't think we're on the cusp of rejecting Jesus, but I wonder what mistakes we might fall into, what traps without realizing we might fall into, where we perhaps invest into other things and take our eyes of our main focus, take our eyes of Christ. Uh, today I have three points which we are going to work from. Point number one, the planting of the vineyard. The planting of the vineyard. Point number two, the fruit of Israel. The fruit of Israel. And point number three, the judgment of Israel. The judgment of Israel. Let's look at our passage in the first of our three points. The planting of Israel. Looking at verse 9. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. Uh, as we unpack this verse, I want us to have Isaiah 5 in mind, the passage that Campbell read for us earlier. And I want to particularly focus on verses 1 and 2 and verse 7. Uh, let me read those verses for us. Starting at verse 1. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of, some, of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. And then verse 7, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. Isaiah 5 gives us clarity and tells us that it was God who planted his vineyard, that this vineyard was Israel. Isaiah 5 paints a beautiful picture of the amount of love and care God had put into planting his vineyard. He planted it. He cared for it. He nurtured it. He protected it. As we read the Old Testament, we see God's care and love for Israel, don't we? How Israel was chosen from all the other nations. How God had saved them time and time again with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. How he blessed them with land. How he increased them in number. After all, it was from one man that Israel became a mighty nation. And God gave them blessing after blessing after blessing. God joined himself to this people and he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And this was a nation that was set apart from all other nations. They were given care and love like no other. You could say they had it all. They were given the law. They had the prophets. They were given kings. They had the temple. God dwelt with his people. And not only do we see love and care, we also see patience. We also see patience. Our parable says that the owner of the vineyard went away for a considerable length of time. Uh, please don't take this to mean that God had abandoned Israel. No. 
at the length of time is referring to God's patience with Israel. When he planted the vineyard, he did not expect fruit immediately. He did not expect fruit immediately. Uh, as Abigail and Elijah, as my children grow as little disciples of Christ, as I bring them to church, as I read the Bible with them, as I pray with them, I'm not expecting them to have a robust understanding of God's perseverance of the saints. However, I want them now, even now, to be growing in understanding of the brokenness of this world. I want them now to be growing in understanding of sin and how it hurts how it hurts people, how it hurts others, how it destroys relationships. And I want them most of all to be growing in understanding that Jesus died for their sins. That Jesus died for their sins. I want them to know about the hope that is stored up for them in heaven. Children of Cornerstone, children of Cornerstone, are you learning this? Are you growing in your understanding of this? The brokenness of this world, the devastation of sin, but most importantly, what Christ has done in response to sin. Are we growing in our understanding of the gospel? And this isn't just for children. This isn't just for children. Growing in our understanding of the gospel is for each of us. For each of us to learn more and more about the devastation of sin, how much it hurts, how much it causes pain and suffering. But more importantly, understanding more and more how Jesus is bigger than that, how he died for that. We need to be more and more cornerstone, growing an understanding of the beauty of the gospel, of the beauty of the gospel. So let me ask each of us, are we doing that? Are we doing that? Are we growing in our understanding of the gospel? Do we speak the gospel to ourselves daily? Do we continue to have our eyes focused on Christ? I limit that simmer with you as we continue our passage. When Israel became God's nation, he didn't expect them to have it all together. He wanted them to grow in understanding, though, of who he was, of who they were, and what they were to do as God's treasured possession. That's why God waited. He went on a journey. He waited for Israel to grow in maturity. So the question is, did God see fruit? Did God see fruit? And this brings us to our second point. Point number two, the fruit of Israel. When God looked at his nation, what did he see? Did he see obedience? Did he see faith? Did he see a nation keeping his law? Did he see other nations desiring what Israel had? The other nations asking, we want what you have. How can we know your God? How can your God become our God? Did God see that? No. Our passage from Isaiah tells us that God saw his vineyard and he saw bad fruit. Our passage tells us from Luke that Israel had rejected God. Have a look at verses 10 to 12 with me. Verse 10. At harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. 
but the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully, and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Uh, God sent his servants to collect fruit, the fruit of the vineyard. And the fruit was to show how Israel was living as God's chosen people. But what do we see? We see each servant being sent away empty-handed. Uh, it's widely agreed upon that these servants are the prophets of God, who had been sent by God to rebuke and to correct a nation from their idolatry. Our parable tells us three times a servant was sent, and each time the nation became more hostile. The first was beaten and sent away empty-handed. The second was beaten, treated shamefully, and sent away empty. And the third, they wounded and threw him out of the vineyard. Uh, what happened? What happened? Well, the nation of Israel had hardened their hearts towards God. They refused to listen. And as a result, they found themselves increasingly, more and more often, under God's judgment. In our passage, we see the ultimate act of denial when God sends his one and only son. Have a look at verses 13 and 15 with me. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. If Israel had been faithful to God, listened to his voice, and not hardened their hearts, when their Messiah had come, they would have recognized him. But what do we see? We see a nation that failed to recognize their Messiah, a nation that failed to recognize their Savior. A Jesus came to seek and save the lost, sinful people like you, sinful people like me, to restore us back to God. But what do we see? The Jews wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They took him outside of the vineyard and they killed him. Jesus was taken outside the walls of Jerusalem, made to carry a wooden cross, nails driven through his hands and his feet. The Lord Jesus was crucified. And how does the vineyard owner respond to the treatment of his son? Well, it's met with judgment. It's met with judgment. And this brings us to our third point. Point number three, the judgment of Israel. Looking now at verses 15 and 17. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I think our parable here is foreshadowing the events of Jerusalem's judgment. 
for the rejection of the master's son, the Jews came under the judgment of God. And I think this is most explicitly seen in the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And then the care of God's vineyard is given to others. And Jesus says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Um, a cornerstone was the foundation stone on which held two sides of the wall. It was what held the walls together. It gave the building structure. It gave the building stability. And Jesus says, I am the cornerstone. I am the structure that will now support and grow God's vineyard. Uh, in, God's, in John's Gospel, Jesus describes himself as the true vine. Uh, in the Greek, the same root word is used for both vine and vineyard. Therefore, what Jesus is doing, he's saying, I am the true vineyard. And he says, whoever is grafted into me, whoever are my branches, they are my people. Who is the vineyard today? Well, it's the church. The church, just like Israel, was also planted. Jesus' disciples, those whom he has called, those whom he has brought out of darkness into light. And Jesus has cared for his church. He has loved his church. He died for his church, taking their sin upon himself. He died the death that was meant for his church. And Jesus said, their punishment, I'll pay for it. Their debt, I'll take care of it. Let me bear the consequences for their sin. In Jesus, the church has given life. Those that have been grafted into Christ share in his resurrection. Those that have been grafted into Christ have been given eternal life. And those that have been grafted into Christ also share in his gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's disciples, God's um, those whom God has chosen have the law written now on their hearts. Deaf ears have been opened. Blind people can see. Hard hearts have been removed. In Christ, those that have been united to him have set their eyes on the hope that they have in him. And they now live for Jesus. And just like God did with Israel... Jesus expects to see fruit. Jesus expects to see fruit. So cornerstone. Here is our opportunity for reflection. Are we producing fruit? So let me ask again. How was our 2019? Were, did we have a fruitful harvest? Reflect on your ministries. Have they been fruitful? In your ministries, are people growing in their understanding of the gospel? As a church, are we still seeking to share the gospel with those around us? As a church, are we still washing God's saints, strengthening them, encouraging them with the word of God? How was our 2019? Did we have a fruitful harvest? Did we have a fruitful harvest?
Uh, let's ask ourselves another question. As we reflect on the fruitfulness of our ministries, let's ask ourselves this question. Have our ministries, our lives, been built on God's cornerstone? Has it been built on Christ? Think of your own individual ministries, those ones which we reflected upon earlier. Have they been built on Christ and his work? For it's only upon Christ and his work that the church will bear and produce fruit. So as a church, we need to be coming back to the gospel. We need to be daily coming to the gospel, seeking to be changed and transformed by Christ. Are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are you doing this? God will build his church, but he will only build his church upon Christ. And those churches that which refuse to do this, he will remove his lampstand. I was listening to one of Campbell's sermons last week on the seven churches. And he mentioned that if you were to go and see these seven churches today, you won't find them. They don't exist anymore. These seven churches, when they heard the, the exhortation of Christ, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, what did they do? Well, they shut their ears. They didn't listen to the warnings of God. And God had removed his lampstand. God had removed his lampstand. Friends, in our passage today, Jesus tells us of the judgment that awaits all those that have rejected him and his teaching. What does he say? Have a look at verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. At Jesus, our cornerstone, the cornerstone of the church, is not only the means in which the church grows. Jesus, our cornerstone, is also the one who will bring judgment to those that reject him. Uh, Luke tells us in the beginning of his gospel that Jesus is to be the means of the rising and the falling of many nations. That in Jesus, many would be saved. Many would be given eternal life. Many would be given the kingdom of God. However, many would also come under Jesus' judgment. Verse 18 tells us that those who fall on the stone will be broken, and those whom the sword falls on will be crushed. Now, what does this mean? Both are referring to judgment. But why the necessity of saying it twice? Perhaps to add emphasis? However, I think it's expressing the magnitude of Christ's judgment. That to reject Jesus now carries both now a present judgment, but a future judgment. That to reject Jesus now, we enter into God's judgment. We are further hardened in our sin. We are further detached from our Maker. And this has consequences for our lives in the here and now. Our lives will be met with further dissatisfaction, further guilt, further unfulfillment. The list goes on. And then there is further judgment. Jesus will judge those who have rejected him when he returns. Our Lord Jesus is coming back one day. Those who have first rejected him 
will then be rejected by him. Luke tells us in his gospel that they will be taken to the place of anguish and torment. We ask ourselves, how do we escape such a place? How do we escape God's judgment? Well, the answer is Jesus. It's only through Jesus, standing upon the work which he has done, that we can escape dissatisfaction in the here and now, guilt in the here and now, but also escape the judgment that awaits all those who have rejected him. Jesus is our cornerstone, and our faith must, it must be built on him. Let me end with this story. God will ensure that the church will have a fruitful harvest. God will continue to grow and build his church. Scripture tells us that the church will not be destroyed. The gates of Hades will not destroy it. But God will only build his church on the foundation, that of which is Christ. Throughout history, we have seen the power of the church change hands. He did it with Israel. He did it with the Catholic Church during the Reformation. And in the rise of liberalism in the 20th century, it almost happened to the Presbyterian Church of Australia. In 1977, during Union, we lost 1,500 churches. These churches are gone. God had removed his lampstand. Friends, it's only by God's grace that there's still a Presbyterian Church in Australia. It's only by God's grace that Cornerstone Hobart is here and is still growing. However, it only takes one generation to take a once thriving church that stands upon the work of Christ to a church that forgets their Lord and Savior and finds themselves under His judgment. So Cornerstone, as a church, let's be seeking Christ. Let's be building upon Him. Let our focus of 2020 be building on Jesus, building on his work and what he has done for us. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. Father, I pray that as a church, that we continue to seek your will and not our own. I pray, Father, that we would be building your ministries upon Christ and his work. And I pray, Father, help us, your church, to do this. Continue to remind us of the gospel. Continue to mature us by your Holy Spirit. And help us to continue to have our eyes fixed on the hope that we have in Christ. For we pray all this in his name and for his sake. Amen. I invite now the music team to lead us in our response song. Thanks, musicians.